welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I am here with three fantastic filmmakers whose work is just about to screen at the Galway Film Fla. Now this year's festival takes place online and in person. Um, on the 20th of July to Sunday the 25th of July. So there's shorts, features, talks, events. Get yourself over to galwayfilmfla.com. So welcome everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, I'm going to go around the digital Zoom room and I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourselves, uh, your name and a little bit about your film. So elevator pitch stuff. So we'll start off with Annika. So I'm Annika Cassidy, director of The Wake. Um, So The Wake is a film about an Irish wake. Uh, It's a comedy. It follows three brothers who are navigating their grandmother's death and, and wake and funeral. And it's really a story about kind of sibling rivalry, but also kind of ultimately brotherly love. And then, yeah, so that's set against a backdrop of a, like a traditional Irish wake. So you've got the millions of lasagnas coming in the door. Um, you've got random mourners showing up who nobody knows who they are. Um, and then lots of other kind of Irish traditions sprinkled in there as well. Hallelujah, Lord. May the prayers of Mary, Mother of God, help those in mourning. Especially little Eric, who keeps getting upset. And we're all concerned he will make it through these prayers tonight. Hail Auntie Kate, who's been hitting the bottle pretty hard these last few nights. And old Mr McCluskey, who I caught stealing sandwiches when everyone's back was turned. Brilliant. And Dermot. Yes, um, Dermot Dunn, who's my name? I'm the director of Signal. Signal is a, a kind of a, a throwback to those um, <clears throat> 80s and 90s kind of stories of, you know, kind of real life drama with, with a little kind of smattering of, uh, of, of fantasy or magic realism. And it's about two boys who try to build a machine to speak to the universe or the thing that made the universe, etc. I don't think God's a man. It's more like energy. Energy that's inside everything. Everything that's ever lived. Or died. And uh, Camila. Hi, uh, my name is Camila Didina. I'm the writer, director and producer of a short film, Debutante. And uh, Debutante is a uh, drama set in the community of Jehovah's Witnesses in Dublin. And the central character is an 18-year-old Meg. Um, And the film uh, explores how, in the course of pretty much one evening, her entire frame of reference to the world gets turned upside down, destroyed, goes up in in flames when she attends something called the Judicial Committee hearing uh, with the three elders of her congregation. At this time, you have an opportunity to make a statement. I spent the night with Sam. Could you elaborate on what you mean by that? We... Did you have sexual intercourse? Mm. 
really powerful stuff there. So I'm just going to go around and ask um, a little bit about the writing process. So I know, um, Annika, you, yours was written by Jonathan Hughes, but I think everybody else, were you uh, writer directors on this? Dermot, you were as well? Uh, well, yeah, no, um, the, the script for, for Signal came to me through Ronan. He introduced me to Tony Kiernan, who, oh. who wrote the, the, the film. Um, and his original draft, I think, came in at about 20 pages. And so the idea within um, spoke to me. So I kind of did, you know, a good few drafts to get it down to the five page for, for the short stories funding. That so it was it was a edit process. 20. To yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, yeah, well, it, it was it was it was yeah it was it was a lot of a rewrite but um you know what i my my goal was to keep the heart of tony's script in there and i you know it was originally sort of set in modern day and and you know i've always kind of leaned into the the kind of uh what would you say the um nostalgia nostalgia stuff and in, in everything I kind of do to be honest um and so I kind of I set it in that kind of like 80s 90s vibe and uh yeah it, it was it was an interesting process to do but ultimately I think the script ended up really really tight then you know um and I think that was something that the film board were were really you know commented uh, kindly on uh Annika yeah so yeah Jonathan wrote the script um and he had had it for a few years, he'd been kind of working on it, uh, crafting it, and he had been successful, I think, um, in a couple of applications, you know, getting getting quite far down the line, film base and that. Um, but then I kind of breezed in <laughs> at the end and um, we worked on it a little bit together, but it didn't need much tweaking, just kind of, you know, just the, the just bringing a few bits and bobs to it myself. and. Then we got lucky putting it into um, for film funding with uh, Monaghan County Council. So, um, so, so yeah, it was kind of a quick process actually. And Camilla, uh, it took forever. <laughs> I know, I know your story is very interesting. That you wrote a feature first. I did, yeah. Um, it's oh goodness, I'm, I'm blushing. It, 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 I'm blushing about how long it took. It just was insane. Um, yeah, I wrote a feature in 2015, uh, in August. And long story short, I wrote the very first draft of, of the short uh, that became debutant in like January 2018. Um, and then it kept evolving as I, you know, kept going through different stages of trying to make it. Um, it, it changed a lot, an awful lot. but. Every change was for the better, and um, the latest kind of changes were uh, between kind of January and August last year, which was immediately leading to the shoot. And um, I, I found it really hard to keep rewriting or tweaking it and perfecting it. But at the same time, it was it was a very good process that you know every time I finished um, a tweak or a change, I felt, oh, wow, this is actually better. Uh, and it was, you know, it was hard work, but it felt good to get it done. And I think it really served the film, you know, that every, I, I tried to, I, I know when you're doing a short, 
you really don't have a lot of time. Every shot, every moment of it needs to be there for a reason. Uh, if you're self-indulgent in any way, uh, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, so I worked really hard to make to make it so that every bit of it, you know, is is justified and, and serves the story to, to bring it further. Um, and then it kept changing in the edit. My cast will be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> you find a shot or a reaction from someone that that really adds meaning. That's the, the wonder. Yeah, yeah. But also I, I once heard somebody say something really interesting, which is that you make three films. You that one film is made when it's written. One film is made, a different film is made when it's shot and a whole new beast comes out after you're finished editing. Uh, and I find it really true. I mean, obviously the, the film is very close to, uh, you know, to the script, but at the same time, it's, you know, I find it like, a, it's like a living organism just keeps evolving, which is scary and awesome at the same time. And so this went through the funding process, but I think what yours did that was quite unique was uh, Kickstarter and Kickstarter a lot. Like it's it's hard to raise money because it's a very saturated market trying to raise stuff. So you- Very saturated. <laughs> it was actually Indiegogo, but uh, same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. I, yeah. That's almost the, the noun that I use. I know. Verb. <laughs> you know like it's it's the description of it even though it isn't but yeah it's indiegogo that it's that's right yeah that like it's incredible how did you get that level of support first uh through a lot of work um relentless uh spamming people well when i say spamming i try to make it you know professional and and uh, diplomatic and kind of tactful uh, I was trying to find people who could resonate with the film's message uh, all over the world. Um, and um, I, I got lucky enough to, to raise the money that I did, but it was, it was excruciatingly hard. I don't recommend it. I don't ever want to have to do it again. If anyone's watching with like funding options, <laughs> just call me. Don't, don't make me do it again. <laughs> I'll take them as well if you have any spares <laughs> that's grand that's, yeah. it is it is amazing and it actually now is the time to go into it it's, it is a very powerful myth can you tell me a little bit about where the story comes from uh well I mean fundamentally it's my own kind of way of reconciling with some of my past so I used to be a Jehovah's Witness and left many many years ago um the film deals with some things I find inhuman and just wrong, uh, such as shunning and uh, really hardcore overbearing religious control, um, which is juxtaposed with a lot of innocence of things that happen when you grow up, um, if that makes any sense at all. Um, but um, it's, not, it's not in any way my story. Uh, the character of Meg is uh, a co very much composite of people I know. And some of the things I kind of maybe wish I did or some thoughts, you know, I would have in the process of leaving the religion. Um, so it's, 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 it's a blended creature, if you will, fictional character, but very much set in real people. The, the key thing I always wanted to do is to tell this story with compassion and with heart rather than, oh, look at these people who they do such awful things, they're bad people. They're not, they're just... You know it's complicated and i'm hoping the film reflects that uh, yeah ireland has a pretty similar history when it comes mm. to, uh 
like that kind of fundamentalist religion and the impact that that has had on so many lives to this day and you know and the fact that it's still a practicing faith and people still believe in it and they're not necessarily bad people it's just what exactly even it's reconciling that rage so I think it it's something that will definitely mean a lot to a lot of people because there's so many communities out there that relates to that even isn't just Jehovah's Witnesses that have yeah kind of that conflict in a, in a modern society that, that that was also the intention that the film resonates with anyone not just people who say used to be Jehovah's Witnesses uh, because I, I just think it's 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 kind of a universal story uh, at, at the very heart of it it's just growing up and coming of age or whatever the expression it's is. It's brilliant that you um, are shining a light on something as well you know you're talking about something that you have experience of in the past and it's easy to just kind of move on with your life and not look back and not not uh, comment on it but actually by talking about it shining a light on it you will be helping people sure. well the response thank you the response to it has been so far pretty great uh, just even when i was crowdfunding you know it seems to resonate have resonated with a lot of people fingers crossed that response will uh, stay there that way when they see the film <laughs> Definitely, definitely it'll have a long festival run as well because again it's there those are specific themes that will you know there's basically in most communities there's mm. some element of that has happened mm. Um, mm. and people are kind of living in the, the aftermath of it so but and speaking of themes we'll just get back onto them um so can you guys tell me a little bit about sort of finding the themes in your work and using that to influence your project moving forward? Like, well, like what is your process basically um, when it comes to directing? So I will go to Jeremy if that's all right. Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> interest, I mean, process. I suppose going back to the first part, which is like the themes that kind of uh, spark that, you know, creative thing is um, I've been, that, that for me has been kind of meandering until this film. Um, a lot of the early stuff that I would be seeking funding for were very kind of gritty dramas, you know, dealing with alcoholism and, you know, the usual sort of Irish tropes almost to a degree. And they and I think the reason why they were never funded was because I deep down didn't really believe that they were the films that I wanted to make. They were the films that I thought that the various funders wanted to see. So with this one, I just sort of went kind of I just went all in with it and was like, OK, well, you know what, I, I'm I'm a huge Spielberg fan I'm like obsessed with um you know all of these old films that I grew up with and stuff so I went that route and since since doing that with with Signal obviously the the main theme in Signal is sort of like how young people deal with death um and, and also you know to a degree you know what we believe religion to be or what we believe God to be you know or you know what is that higher power um so that's now influenced almost everything that I've, I've I've started to develop now. It's it has that sort of it just sort of highlighted like you know like what I love to what I love to see and what I now love to do is is that where you take something and you do like kind of a realistic family drama or most of my stuff has actually become a family drama, but just like real life family drama, and then you sort of you sprinkle it with a little bit of magic, um, and that's what Spielberg used to do, you know in some of my favorite films of his like Close Encounters is one of those films where you and Jaws to a degree but you see that family drama and then you're taken off on this magical journey and I love that and um, so I've started to do that in, in my um, 
films now. And um, in answer to your process, uh, to my process, I would say, yeah, it's like, you know, find an idea and then just sort of crash it out as much as possible. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm like, because to me, writing is such a, you know, especially when you get into features, it's such a behemoth of a task. I'm just constantly trying to like learn and absorb as much technique and tools so that when I do eventually get the pen to paper on that feature, um, that I'm, I'm not so uh, afraid of it because it's, it is a mammoth task. Dear God, yeah, like it is, they really are. Um, yeah. Annika. Yeah, um, this is interesting what you said there, Dermot, about young people dealing with with death or with grief. Um, yeah, actually, actually, yeah, yeah. Similar yeah. To, to my film, The Wake, but um, but that's definitely something that I'm kind of fascinated by. And I know, Dermot, as well, you've worked a lot with younger people and, and younger cast. Um, so it obviously is something that we're probably drawn to, both of us. Um, but definitely the... I think the way in which, um, again, Signal did it as well as The Wake was kind of looking at how, how children and young people deal with uh, difficult things like death or grief and how sometimes they actually kind of need to nearly turn it into, uh, they need to kind of find the, the distraction to process it. So like the secret mission um, mm -hmm. in Signal and in The Wake, the kind of scheme that was going on behind the scenes. Um, and I really like it. I think that's something that does really intrigue me. It's kind of, it's a little bit like in um, Life is Beautiful, La Vita Bella, like how, you know, you need to almost turn something that's so difficult to deal with into a game for children to process it and to, to navigate it and get through it. And it's almost, I think that we can learn something from kids in that in that way as adults that sometimes you don't just have to like take things on head on and in fact as humans that's quite difficult for us to do we need to kind of find the story around it or find a way in which to cope um so that would have been definitely something i'm drawn to is kind of finding that positivity in in a really difficult life circumstance um and then for the, the process i think um it's a little bit depending on whether you kind of have a, a writer or not, or you're writing it yourself, but um, definitely, yeah, I think working on the script is really crucial. Um, and for me, working with actors is, is the main, the main bit. Um, but I also have an interest in psychology. So I think that I've always kind of tried to put on my, <laughs> my psychologist hat, not that I've uh, got many um, certificates in that area, but, uh, and try and, try and analyze it because ultimately you know the characters are, are people and they're just trying to navigate their own lives so how can we kind of make the dialogue really authentic how can we make sure their behaviors are reflective of their inner worlds um so that's something that I love kind of working on with actors and and the writer as well Okay, and actually, since you started on that, I'll, I'll keep you there and I'll start a new topic of uh, casting because that is something that is so vitally, vitally important. How do you find your actors and how do you then work with them to get what you need from them? Um, how do I find my actors? Um, I suppose it's just keeping an eye on, you know, just watching a lot of stuff and 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 kind of going to film festivals and things like that. and. Um, 
looking out for people who who I am really convinced by. I love when you kind of are watching something and you forget that they're an actor entirely. Um, but yeah, also working with casting directors. Um, so for The Wake, we worked with uh, Vincent Lam, um, who obviously has has his own track record of <laughs> of doing really successful films with young young people. Um, so he was fantastic, and that's how we found Senan and Johnny. Um, and yeah, was that the question? I can't remember the question. How do you how do you get with that? Because there there's a lot, especially in years. There's actually a lot happening, and you have these two young protagonists. There's a lot of dynamics. Like it's it's a lot to be taking in mind. Like as as a performer, and I can only imagine as a director. Um, so like how do you kind of get your actors in the headspace make sure that they're that you're on the same page do you do a lot of rehearsals would you have long discussions with them yeah yeah definitely like I think that casting is the number one thing for me um I think if you don't get that right it's hard to come back from that um so and also the other way around if you get your cast right you don't really have very much else to do so to some extent as a director um but yeah, I would. I really like um, rehearsing a little bit, you know, um, again, especially with the younger cast to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, I do a lot of talking, talking with the actors about their character and also allowing them to bring to the table like their perspective and, and how they see maybe their background of the character and, and things like that, because yeah, I kind of, I, th- I think it's our job is to, to really facilitate that because, um, you know, I'm no acting expert, like that's what they're bringing to the table. So um, it's really important to allow people to kind of flex those muscles. Um, but yeah, then getting into the headspace on set, um, I think, again, it's really important to make sure that there is a, a certain amount of calm and that you are kind of creating that safe space on set for people to be vulnerable um, and to know that you're going to be there to make sure it's it's right and it's you know that they're protected in some ways for lack of a better word from from a load of people behind the camera you know that can be intimidating for the best actor so yeah I think that that's really important part of it is is creating that safe space and sometimes I even will do a little bit of like like meditation beforehand and things like that because I think like you know there's so many things going on you can hear a big crew you know in the other room like you, there might be nerves people are trying to remember lines um so to, to actually try and get into your character and get in and embody that I think you really need to take time to actually do that so yeah. try and always take a few minutes to do that sort of day writing that down in my little book that's a good one yeah it's all about presence and and being in that moment that really is the the truthful bit of of any performance um all right Camilla yeah um I agree with uh, an awful lot of what you said Annika I, I found it a similar uh experience with my actors as well I spent six months casting David Amp, but some of it is to blame on the pandemic um and uh, I, I literally, I think I looked at or and or auditioned or self-tape auditioned probably 90% of the actresses in the country, including Northern, Northern Ireland of the eligible age <laughs> for the lead actress in my film. 
<laughs> and you know what? It was it was kind of funny. Uh, there are so many talented actors in Ireland. It just it was yeah. incredible um, to see. Uh, and some of them aren't known or or you know represented, and they're so fantastic. But um, ultimately, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Um, when you watch your film for the millionth time, watching, you know, aspect number 781 of the edit, you know, sound or grain or a color grade in this shot or whatever, and you're hearing the actors, the same actors over and over and over and you see their faces and you know intimately every millisecond of the film and you're not sick of them and you're still loving them that's when I knew because that's what happened I, I still loved them and still do seeing all that for like so many times that's that's how I know I got really great cast and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with them um it's like it's like a little test you know litmus test or something uh, that's that's anyway that's how I think about it but um seriously though I rehearsed as well, um, and uh, I did some really intense, I think, rehearsals with my actors based on exercises apparently attributed to Mike Lee, who is one of my favorite directors. Um, if any of my cast are watching this, thank you for playing along. Um, and yeah, we meditated as well on set and in rehearsal rooms. Um, and, and very much we focused as well on I wanted them to focus on being present moment to moment to moment in the scene and, and being open to what happens rather than, you know, focusing on what's on what's in the script and, you know, that this big boom mic above their, above their head or something like that. And I have to say they, they did a phenomenal job under not easy circumstances because I was also at the time heavily pregnant so well not heavily but heavily enough halfway there so there was a lot of moaning like oh so tired okay go again <laughs> action <laughs> so they really you know they were very kind and, and patient uh, but yeah ultimately like I, I forgot it was was it you Dermot or uh, Annika you uh, that said that uh, if you have the right cast you're that's all you need really you know the, your job as a director is, is nearly done and um it was it was worth spending this much time casting let me put it this way yeah and there's the it, like it, it comes across on screen like it, there there's a great chemistry between your two leads there's um like there's really deep emotional moments that are like difficult to watch like you you have it all there um and Dermot Casting, yes, casting. Obviously, as as, as Annika and uh, Camilla said, like casting during COVID was a, a, a task and a half. Um, um, like in my previous film, I I set like an open audition for skater kids from like the age of uh, fourteen to eighteen, and you know that that brought its own problems. But um, with this time around, I just contacted Mary Murray, who has a school in in city centre, and um she kindly sent me videos uh, um, for, for a, a range of different um, actors. Um, and with, uh, with one, of our, one of our cast, uh, James Quinn Markey, he had been in a feature film called uh, Hole in the Ground, 
when he was a few, and he, had, he was also in, in Vikings as well when he was a lot younger. But um, Lee Cronin, who was the director of that film, he was in the he was in the judges panel for the interview for the funding. So it's just sort of like you know one and two, three. Okay, we'll 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 get him and see if we can contact him. And sure enough, um, his mom uh, Karen loved the script and you know was okay with it. And uh, so we were. I was happy enough to just sort of roll with him because he had plenty of experience and he was a great actor. But going back to the the taping, um, I actually really enjoyed the taping because what I what I found was is that especially I, I I would imagine it's probably different with adults, but with the with the kids who are between like nine and twelve, um they're in their home ground you know like they're they're reading with their mom or their dad and i sort of got a sense of who you know was able to kind of relax in their role and you were you know quickly was able to to pick a couple and um was lucky to get callum jess to take the role and um you know i kind of wonder if maybe that combined with an audition could be the way forward because obviously you know you feel like somebody's at comfortable in their own home but then in front of the lights and a camera they might you know they might get really kind of startled by it so you know being aware of that we would do quite a lot of rehearsals and um the, the kids parents um Karen and, and Stephen were were super accommodating um they they brought the kids out to to my parents house which is where we we shot a lot of the interiors and we we would uh, and we were also lucky enough to have a lot of the room set so I was able to almost have to kind of block them out and kind of get the the movement within the room uh ready and you know kind of in, you know introducing the two boys as well was kind of tricky i mean you know boys of that age can be a bit you know rivalrous um if that's a word stunts action sequences <laughs> all that stuff yeah i mean you know that there yeah the funny thing is about that one right when we were rehearsing the fight scene because it, just just to sort of preface it by saying that Callum playing uh, uh, Michael, he his character was the kind of the, the gruffer, more sporty kind of guy. And the opposite was for Sean, played by James. And it turns out that the two boys were completely opposite. Like James was much more sporty and kind of boisterous. Mm. And Callum was much more sensitive and quiet and was at the books and stuff like that. Like didn't play video games. So trying to get them to fight was, was hilarious. So I actually ended up, I ended up doing it with uh, Callum's dad. We went out into my parents' back garden and we started pulling at each other and, and basically choreographing what they would do. And then and it worked. It worked. We got them to do it. And sure, with some fancy cutting around any of the slowness, they're still big. And I, I was happy enough with it, considering. But uh, yeah. That sounds amazing. They were, Fair they play. were brilliant, um, yeah. brilliant little actors. And you said when they I was in uh, Hole in the Ground, what about the other one? Did they have much experience? Because it seemed like... Um, they're really good. Callum was in Dublin Old School um, before that. Um, and I think he was in a couple of shorts. And he, I think he's, 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 in a, he's in an ad now for Jacobs or something like that. But funnily enough, actually, um, Senan uh, sent in a tape. But he was, just, he was just too young for the role. But he's a great little actor as well. Oh, yeah, Very he cute. is. He's so cute. Yeah. And it's like what Camilla was saying earlier, like even watching it back um, for the gazillionth time, it's like he still melts my heart in the final scene. <laughs> He's so sweet, yeah. And they've been so excited now, like finding out about um, our word in, in clones and going into Galway. Like they're just so excited. So it's really exciting for them that we're going to be able to actually go down and have a proper premiere now because um, 
we're, we're, we're getting screeners in person down there. So I'm just delighted for them that they have that opportunity as well. Great. And actually, did I ask you how you and Jonathan work together? Like, how did you meet or do you oh, yeah. work on projects together a lot or? Yeah, so um, myself and Jonathan, uh, Jonathan also script supervises. Um, and in the past, I've also been in production, um, production coordinating. So we actually met on a film a few years ago, um, uh, an American I think it was like a Hallmark film. Um, and so we met on that and we wanted to work together. So we've been kind of working on a few different things, sharing things back and forth. Um, and then, yeah, and then he sent over the script. So so that's how that came about. But it's funny, actually, Norma Sheehan actually was working on that film with us. And so that's that's how we, we roped in Norma as well. <laughs> so we got the old gang back together. Um, so actually a few of you guys touched on shooting during COVID uh, there. So I'm just wondering what has your experiences been? Um, yeah, if we go to Camilla. Um, well, I, I suppose I was lucky because we shot in August, which was uh, in August a year ago, which, which was kind of um, a, a lessening or, or, or uh, yeah, a lessening of restrictions period. And things were still kind of, um, I suppose, more flexible in a way. You know, we we didn't. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't impossible. You know, um, and we we had five shooting days, um, four consecutive, and then a week later, um, an extra day, um, and a lot of it was outdoors, which made things easier. The, the the hardest bit was one indoor scene where four cast members are in one room for a day um plus you know the absolute minimum crew um that was hard you know to to um try and stay vigilant as much as possible but at the same time basically be able to shoot you know uh, luckily um everyone on the crew were, you know, they were really um, on the ball. And uh, first AD Niall Owens was fantastically helpful as well when it comes to, you know, the procedures and, and keeping us all safe. So um, yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't mental, do you know? Um, I, I guess I was lucky because of when I shot. And there's, there's not like, or, like a lot of it is is kind of one on one or one on two or or yes you know more do you know it, it I I feel terrible for you Annika with your crowd scenes <laughs> yeah so difficult yeah it was like the perfect film not to make in in a pandemic <laughs> um yeah there was so many scenes with lots of extras so we just had to try and cut them back and try and shoot it a little bit cleverly and of course grab the crew and, and, and get them to double up when we could. Um, but yeah, for sure, it was a real big challenge. COVID um, really made it really hard and expensive with all the equipment and, and the temperature checks and everything. Um, but we had a COVID safety officer and, and things like that. So um, the producers, Trish and Ali, um, and my first AD, Dara, like they were just really on top of it. Big um, shout out to our girl, Ali, who does our horror show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, they're they're absolutely amazing. Like I'm, I just I really like hit the jackpot. Um, finding them, uh, so so I didn't have to worry about any of that. Um, I just again just showed up on the day and I was like, tell me where to stand. But um, the I think that the hardest thing about COVID was probably wearing masks. Um, and more so just for like communicating, um, that people couldn't see my expression um, or reaction, especially the actors um, and the young kids as well, because like they need the reassurance, you know, after a take where and they're looking to you and, and all they can see is eyes and loads of eyes staring at them. It, it, it's so daunting. Um, so that I find really difficult because like there's, you can't can't really substitute a, a thumbs up for a, for a reassuring smile. Um, so that was probably the hardest bit, but we got there in the end anyway. That's it soon. One day soon, we'll all be mask free. I cannot yes. wait. Being on the back. So. Yeah. And Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I suppose it was kind of um, a, a series of panic moments, really. <laughs> um, we were lucky enough to sort of shoot some of it in a in a kind of a, a downturn of the of the restrictions, but either side of that was always, you know, you know, we're ready to lock down, ready to lock down. And so um I, I suppose there was a few particular ones. Like for example, we we were so we were, as I said, we were shooting in my parents' home and they're in their 70s. So and they like, I mean a massive shout out to my parents. Like they they so kindly gave up their home and went and like on the on the two shoot days or rather it was actually one for for the interiors and then we had a day of pickups but they they left the house like they went and stayed in the hotel and um so that was kind of a challenge just sort of even just bringing in the kids for rehearsals and stuff like that was always just this kind of shadow over you of making sure that you know no one gets in any trouble with it and then we had um we have a funeral scene and trying to get extras for a funeral of a child and still every time i see that scene it just irks me because you know, it, you know, it, you'd ideally want a lot more people and loads of other children around them. You know, we just sort of had to had to slice off a few of the intended shots from the script and stuff. And uh, and then one of the biggest panic moments, I suppose, was the fact that um, our, our production designer, um, Jill Beecher, she she found out like slap bang in the middle of getting things ready that the, all the prop houses had shut down. <gasps> um, and yeah. That was a that was a massive heart in your throat moment because the like the the, the bedroom in the film you know like has all was always going to be super detailed it's kind of like it's a it's an aesthetic of mine that kind of comes through from from like animation school you know like detail 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 and and also we had this machine that's made out of a variety of you know eighties and nineties uh, electronics so it's like how are we going to do that and so. Um, you know, everyone just sort of dug in. Um, my, my partner Shannon brought down a few bits and pieces, and she, her grandparents worked for um, MB Games, and uh, so she was able to bring down all these old uh, '80s and '90s board games, uh, as well as like consoles. And then the producer uh, Ronan, Ronan, I think Ronan brought down. I think at one stage, I think we had like 22 TVs. My mom would, my mom would phone me up and go, "Your mom's at, your mom's after dropping off another ten televisions in the back garden." <laughs> it's just like, oh, so needless to say, everybody dug in. Tony Kiernan, he brought down some really cool sound equipment because he's a sound engineer by trade, and um, yeah, 
we managed to do it and it looks really really cool but yeah that that initial kind of like oh my god we don't have a set was terrifying yeah can, can i just say fair play dear much this is amazing I, I was watching your film and i thought what an absolutely cool set design and and like this machine was incredible i was thinking wow i wonder which pop houses did you go to and to find out now you didn't have that opportunity like it's incredible so inspiring and so cool uh, oh that's so yeah. nice of you to say i mean i wish it was even as easy as that like i mean i'm sure we'll touch on it when we're getting into the the meat of, of our of our of our uh of our shoot days and stuff like that but um of a, of a, a lot more to say about that damn machine mm. the, the, the feeling of panic anyway i resonate with it fully <laughs> <laughs> covid or not no covid on any shoot is like <gasps> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I did love the set design as well and it totally you did manage to create a world and you were talking about being a Spielberg fan earlier um, and it did remind me you'll probably hear this a bit of Stranger Things a little bit you know and I just it's feel always, like yeah it's always in there because yeah obviously it's the era isn't it yeah but it really like you did nail it like with and I, I think it was the set design that that hugely did that because it felt so authentic it also yeah, made me think of, did you ever see that film uh, Super 8, I think it's called, uh, Steven Spielberg, about a bunch of kids as well, trying to... Yeah, I film? actually, I watched it the other day, yeah, I've, I've been kind of trying to, because I'm working on a, on a, at the early stages of a feature script, so I've been just chewing up all of those type of films and just dissecting them and stuff, and yeah, Super 8 was uh, another great film that had that, that kind of those 80s vibes. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And it comes down to like, you know, it... it you know, even if you've got the, you know, the props and you, you design the set in that way, when you add that, like, over-the-top lighting, that's when you get the the vibe, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I said it to, like, Bershie, the DOP, I was like, you know, we're going to go with like, a Spielberg, but he kind of like, oh, you want Spielberg? Okay, let's do it. And, you know, you know, it, he really went all in with, like, you know, seeing the lights and was a big fucking gel out the back and sorry for person. And, yeah, we just, just, pushed it as far as we could you know so it was fun. it was so much fun so much fun to see it yeah it's life. beautiful as well mm. so we'll Brilliant. stay on you Dermot actually and if we can go to our onsets uh, our onset anecdotes that'd be brilliant so just what was the shoot like um any fun scary <laughs> shocking thing yeah well, it always goes wrong and it's like where's, where's well it was wine? always <laughs> where's my vodka um well you know I like, I tried to make it as fun as possible because um it is a, it's a great it's a great job to do it's it's you know even with all of the madness you know it, it's still fun to solve problems and, and and do what you're doing but and also with kid kid actors you you don't want it to make it too serious or show them your worries it's always got to be play 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 and make them comfortable but um yeah we had a few hiccups um uh like the drone had its two hiccups because like wind Wind was a killer, but, you know, a bit of stabilization sorted that out. Um, but the biggest problem, as I said, was the machine. So day two, the room is set up and we, we, we get a couple of scenes in and the time is, is now to turn on the machine. Eh -eh. Nothing. Oh, it was no. like, oh yeah, no, there was a whole lot of stuff. And then it wasn't rigged to, to fall properly. And so... We basically lost 
on that day, we pretty much, I was only able to, I was able to, I was able to get maybe a, like maybe half a scene back and then we had a pickup day. And then that pickup day was just completely redoing the whole thing. So myself and, and my partner, Shan. In total? It was, um, it was three days in total, two original days. And then because of the, you know, well, we, Ronan had sort of planned on, on um, you know, that buffer day to get anything extra we needed. Yeah. And it was a lifesaver because, you know, I originally I had something like, so there was the scene that was lost. There was an exterior that hadn't been done. Sorry, two exteriors that hadn't been done. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're going into story mode going, okay, well, like if I have a day to do this, where do I concentrate it on? Um, so that's going to have to go probably. And so you're kind of, you're building all these contingencies, um, which, you know, which obviously happens. So there's a scene where the two boys are going into the house that, that little bit of dialogue was much longer and was supposed to be in another location, but you're like, okay, cool. Let's just get the story across, you know, which is part of the fun really, um, you wouldn't say that at the time, but it is it is part of the fun to do those problem solves. But um, but like the machine, so having that pickup day was a lifesaver. We were sort of waiting for the government to lock us down any minute. And um, so myself and my partner, Shannon, who was also the second AD on it and helped out with the drone stuff as well. We went to my parents' house and we spent the entire weekend just sort of going through everything, making sure everything was was working. And we had like fishing line and we got it to a stage that we had the machine designed in a way that I was really happy with. And we added the triangular tape over it and Shannon went in and popped all the plugs to make sure that all the fuses were working, pulled the, the wire and we were able to get the thing to collapse in its own footprint the same every, every time. Then it was a sigh of relief. And then that pickup day went pretty well. We got everything we needed. Ew, that's so worrying. Annika? Yeah, so... Um hiccups that's that's the uh the topic now um, anecdotes funny sad sorrowful joyous yeah. yeah yeah all of the above um i think that like probably one of the one of the most frustrating slash funniest uh, moments of our shoot we we had i think four days and um also the drone it's funny that you're talking about it i don't think that you can get away with working with a drone like drama free um mm. but we were up in in Monaghan and we had the drone and it was following our hearse um which which was attached to a tractor and where we were filming like we were doing these really long traffic shots where we were watching you know all the all the traffic build up pile up behind the tractor and we were just causing chaos <laughs> up around Clonus and so I think at one point as well, we did this like 15 minute drive of, of filming it just, you know, from different angles and trying to get it. And then, okay, right back to the start. But of course in our heads, like we had been driving really fast back and forth and just had to wait for the tractor to just crawl. And I think it took about 20 minutes just for, just to get, you know, back to position one. And I was just oh, like, no. <laughs> I didn't have to think about this. <laughs> And yeah, just like gridlock around this tiny little town. But oh no, um, it was fine. Everyone was taking pictures. They were happy enough. Um, <laughs> then the the only other kind of main challenge that we had, I think, was the last day 
it's always in the last day you think everything you're like oh we're nearly there now you know the end's in sight and then um we woke up and there was like a storm you know it was kind of early October I can't remember what what mini hurricane it was called this one but um but basically we were doing our all our exteriors that day um and they were the graveyard ones as well so we just kind of had to think up on our feet and just make a difficult call and just say okay we're gonna we're gonna change it and we switched it so our actual final scene was supposed to be a graveyard scene and, and we switched it to being inside the church um and yeah I'm actually I'm actually really happy with it like we obviously it was um yeah not not supposed to kind of be like that but we couldn't have had our cast and crew being drenched and blown away and the sound like it just wouldn't have worked so instead we had this really delicate scene um and I think like Donna Canavan was our cinematographer did an amazing job and it's actually one of my favorite scenes now so it's kind of what Camilla was saying earlier sometimes you know you're kind of like putting out these fires and actually you, you get something even better so yeah it is lovely that's that and that's so surprising I love that and Camilla um well uh <laughs> I, I, I want to say two things one is uh, the absolute lowest point of the shoot and one is a, a really high point to balance it um on the very first day of the shoot um we start we set up on eden key eden key or customs custom house key i think it is and uh it's a very long scene uh two and a half pages which you know long enough in a short uh, everything's ready uh, it's you know it's the first day of the shoot I've been building up to this for like years effectively so all this like pent-up <gasps> excitement and having set up the gear uh, actors in costume makeup ready to rumble uh, we uh, we had uh, the sound recordist uh, came in uh, and knew putting uh, you know the little lavalier mics or whatever they're called on the actors Una O'Brien and Sam uh, Richard Neville, I called him by his character name. You should take it as a character, as a compliment, Richard, if you're watching this. Um, and the skies opened and it started lashing rain, like incredibly, like, like a wall of rain. So, you know, we hunkered down and covered and waited a bit and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And, waited. and then after like 40 minutes, like, okay, this, let's just, you know, because, you know, in Dublin often or in Ireland, there's a lot of rain and then. 10 minutes later it's sunny skies but it didn't happen so all this pent-up energy is like uh, uh. <laughs> no so we um we stopped packed everything up and uh, everybody the crew and cast moved to um Knoll, uh, which is north of dublin to shoot another scene scheduled for that day uh you know it's about a 45 minute drive so they were all on the way and I stayed behind to, you know, give myself a coffee and just have five minutes to feel sorry for myself. And I was, I was on my own, uh, but I was so lucky that uh, Niall Owens, the first AD, also, for another reason, stayed behind. And then he saw me and he was like, hey, hey I'll travel with you. I had my car. And we went to my car um, and he's like, no way, your car's been broken, to, broken into. And I'm like, ha ha, hilarious. And it was, uh, the, the window was broken and oh, um, there was blood inside from whoever broke into the car <gasps> what? and stole some stuff. Like I didn't leave anything, you know, inside. There was a boot and by, by all means, my car is 
was not fancy. It was a very banjaxed uh, 18 year old Nissan X Trail. So hardly a treat, you know. But anyway, so Bad it was day. like it was like somebody squoze my head because you know <laughs> it, was, it was all this disappointment from not getting to shoot the first scene and all this pressure. This is the week for shooting my film. I have like all this responsibility, and this thing happened. So I literally went like. And I sat down on the curb and I started crying. And I'm not talking like crying. I was like <gasps> wailing, wailing. And thank God um, Niall was there because, you know, my partner went, they were traveling. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even a state, in a state to call anybody. It's like, hello, you know, help. Um, so that was horrible. It was like, I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody. I actually thought, this is it. I can't, I can't. And, you know, add pregnancy hormones to that. I, I, I actually thought I wasn't going to be able to continue at all. I, I was like, this is it. Just drive me to the nearest mental hospital. I'm just going to have a week off. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there is something good about happening in the beginning, though, because it'll never get harder. <laughs> like, that's the worst. Fingers crossed. That could ever happen. I know, I know, right? What happens? Like, later on, you'd be like, Oh, that's not great, Mike, but it's not as bad as that time. No, I, I know. So, well, long story short, uh, Niall rang our production coordinator, Lena Jalala, who turned around and picked us up. Um, and in the meantime, the guards showed up and uh, whatever, did their thing. And, and they, they were going to tow the car away. Uh, and we drove to the set. When I got to the set, I looked horrible. I was all red and puffy from crying. So I, I was texting my um, uh, makeup artist, Edwina uh, Kelly. Edwina, I took a selfie. I was like, this is what I look like. This is what happened. Can you come downstairs and fix my face so the crew and cast don't see me like this? Because come on, like, I have to, you know, I have to keep some sort of a face and as in, you know, pretend that I have my head together. So she, she, she came down and, you know, did the magic and I looked passable. <laughs> And uh, I don't, I, I don't have much of a memory of directing uh, that evening, which, mind you, is is one of the biggest scenes in the film. <laughs> scenes in the film. It's just I was lucky that my actors were brilliant because, for the first at least an hour of when we called action, I was still like, "What's happening?" All right, <laughs> I was really out of it. Um, so that was the lowest point. Um, and the uh, one very cool thing that I was you know, there was a lovely memory and experience was on the third day of the shoot, we were shooting in the same location, interior, a very big scene, the biggest scene in the film um, with four actors, which, you know, it, it, it was very complex for me and, and a lot of nuance and, and stuff to capture between, you know, four people interacting. And the scene is really intense, hopefully. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of work and um, I really enjoyed it. Um, my actors just were so brilliant. And then um, every now and then at some point, I was able to see my crew kind of congregated. We had this big monitor at Flanders uh, in, in a very narrow hallway. So I was sitting in front of it um, and I had Eleanor Bell, the script supervisor beside me. Um, but then I, I, at some point I looked back and like a lot of the crew members were, you know, kind of craning their necks watching which is like, ooh, they're interested. <laughs> and every now and then 
I, I saw or I heard um, some crew members kind of laughing at some, not laughing like ha ha ha, but like reacting to some of the stuff happening in the scene, which was like really a great compliment to the actor and, you know, and, and, and what was happening on screen. Because I, I think, you know, when, when you're in another role, when you're not focusing on, on what's happening on the screen, um, I think it's, 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 it's a compliment to everybody involved that your crew are interested in, the, in what they see on the screen and, and they enjoy it. So, and that was even, you know, that was raw and not edited or anything. So I just remember going kind of, Ooh, this is exciting. And at the end of that day, it was like one in the morning, I was delirious with tiredness by the time, you know, we were going to sleep. And, but I had this huge kind of giddy joy about doing that scene and, and yeah, it was, it was fun. So it, it kind of balanced out the shit of the first day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good feeling yeah they're the moments they're the ones that you hold on to and on that note uh, where can we see your films it's uh irish shorts 4 which is showing at 3 p.m on the friday the 23rd it's online and it's also in an outdoor theater but i think the outdoor theater is booked oh, so you can catch it online Debutant is screening in Irish Shorts 6 on Saturday, the 24th of July at 2 p.m. And yeah, so The Wake is going to be showing in Irish Shorts 1. And that's on Wednesday, the 21st of July at 12 noon. It's going to be um, screened outdoors uh, in Galway, but also online. So you can check out the link there as well. Fabulous. So um, Galway Film FLA, and that's F-L-E-A-G-H, in case we have any listeners who aren't based in Ireland, .com is where you can get your tickets um, to watch them online. It might be worth noting that it's geo, I think they're all geo-locked to Ireland. So um, anyone from outside oh, yeah. can watch it. Yeah. But if anyone from outside wants to watch it, they can find me on Instagram at Dermdon and uh, I can send them a link. Perfect. Yeah. So... Do you guys have any social media handles for your film, Camila? Uh, yes, I have a Twitter and a Facebook uh, account for the film uh, at Debutant Film. And uh, that's how you'll find both of them. Yeah. And um, for The Wake, it's Instagram uh, and it's just The Wake underscore film. Great. So you can follow the progress of these films. I'm sure they'll have a long festival life after the Galway Film Flat. Uh, and you can like I think it's so much more fun watching after <laughs> finding out all the juicy dirt about them and um, so that is brilliant thank you guys so much for coming and chatting with us and um, so we'll have all those links in the description so if anyone wants to follow a film or find out more about the ticket situation uh, just keep an eye on that so thank you guys so much for coming in and chatting with us thank you so thanks a million Gemma such a pleasure it was nice thank to meet you, you so much. Likewise. Likewise. look at your films